Welcome to a new episode of the Life Science Get Together podcast. Today with Karel Kubias. Welcome to the show, Karel. Thank you very much, uh, Christian, and uh, thank you very much for this invitation. You're welcome. Karel, you are in Prague. How is life in Prague these days? Uh, these days are uh, quite uh, <laughs> critical because of the corona, very challenging, uh, but uh, we, all of us, uh, we hope that we will overcome it soon. Yeah, that's true. And I think one important part to overcome such a crisis is the pharmaceutical industry. And uh, if I remember it right, you have a long history and a lot of experience in this industry. Can you tell us a little bit more about your expertise? Uh, you mean expertise in the pharma industry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah from from my background, I am chemist. Yeah, that mm -hmm. means uh, it was quite a short way to the chemical pharmaceutical uh, company uh, Merck, where I spent uh, the majority of my uh, working life, almost 25 years, mm -hmm. and uh, I went through different managerial positions, and uh, in The 10 last years at Merck, it was between 2006-2015, uh, I was uh, managing director of uh, the Czech subsidiary of uh, Merck in Prague, and then I continued uh, in uh, the regional responsibility for Eastern Europe, Middle East and Africa uh, in the life science uh, division, division of Merck. Yeah, but so, of course, I, I was, as a managing director, I was responsible for the pharma business as well. Yeah. So as a chemist, you really understand uh, the entire industry and the science behind the products from uh, the early stages of development up to the market entry and uh, mm -hmm. also how to bring therapies to the patients. After yeah. your roles at, at Merck, you switched from uh, the end of the value chain, the patient perspective, back to the more scientific part. What are you doing currently? Uh, currently, I am working uh, for the INI organization. Mm -hmm. Maybe we will talk uh, more in details about that later, which is a tech transfer organization. Yeah, and uh, Uh, with the knowledge, let's say, of the chemistry, of a uh, little bit of the science, and uh, then broad knowledge of the industry, mm -hmm. uh, chemical industry, uh, multinational companies, uh, local, in the local perspective as well as uh, international perspective, uh, we are able to connect both worlds, mm -hmm. uh, the scientific world and the industry. Yeah, mm -hmm. And this is uh, the role of the tech transfer, to be like a bridge uh, between the science, uh, between the discoveries and between the industry. Mm -hmm. And this is now our role. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, let's stay a little bit with the current challenges. Uh, I mean, everybody is, I think, aware of the pandemic that's going on. It's caused by a novel virus that originated in... Chinese scientists uh, sequenced it first, let's uh, put it that way, and the pharmaceutical industry is working uh, day and night to find solutions yeah. on the therapeutic sites, on the vaccine side, and also on the diagnostic side. So let's look a little bit about uh, on the value chain. You mentioned uh, tech transfer. Mm -hmm. What exactly is tech transfer doing in Prague? Mm -hmm. Or in general? 
or in in general maybe i would spend some words uh, words uh, on the expression uh, tech transfer mm-hmm. uh, because i think it's important to understand uh, what is the role of such organizations uh, and uh, you can find uh, m- different uh, definitions on internet mm-hmm. uh, but i can explain it to you how i feel it uh, you can imagine tech transfer like a bridge over the valley Yeah, on the one side of the valley, you have the discovery, the innovative idea. On the other side of the valley, uh, there is the industry, market, consumers, customers. Mm-hmm. And the valley in between is full of challenges, norms, regulations, laws, frustration, yeah, and a lot of danger waiting for the scientists. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the tech transfer organization is able like the overbridge these challenges and help uh, the project teams uh, do, to, to help the innovation innovative ideas uh, to come to the industry to be marketed and finally sold as a product mm-hmm. um, what challenges do you see I mean when I think uh on let's say when I put how should I put it uh, when I think about scientists uh, to meet a look very creative so mm-hmm. their job is to be innovative to find something new and um, to think in ways that nobody else did before mm-hmm. so the problem i see with tech transfer when i look on the industrial side i see the industry is very focused mm-hmm. and uh, executing so the industry focuses on one topic on one goal and executes mm-hmm. uh, how, what challenges do you see to overcome between these two worlds? In the process yeah, of, uh, let's say, the finding a new discovery, uh, mm-hmm. do new new innovation on, on the one side of the valley, <clears throat> you can come uh, to, to certain result. Mm-hmm. Yeah? You have a brilliant idea, innovative idea, but now is, is uh, the, the problem how you can market your organization, mm-hmm. how you can make it interesting for the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And of course, there are few aspects uh, which uh, you should fulfill as a project holder uh, in order to make this project interesting for the, uh, for the industry. First of all, it should be like innovative idea. Yeah, uh, very innovative discovery. Uh, the second point is uh, that uh, the transferability from the original laboratory uh, should be sure or secure. Yeah, because there is quite high rate of failure of the mm-hmm. project. Because of that, I think even 70% of project fail. Mm-hmm because they are not transferable from one laboratory to another one. Yeah, we, we have currently in, one, in our pipeline one project from Germany. Uh, this is a brilliant idea of new synthesis of peptides yeah, in uh, water solutions. You don't use uh, the um, organic solvents, which could be really very welcomed in the future. Uh, it works, this synthesis works, in the laboratory of this project team 
uh, and we tried to transfer it uh, to IOCB in Prague or uh, to, to other company in Prague as well uh, to make the synthesis. Yeah, and currently there are some challenges uh, that so far we are not fully 100% uh, sure that this will be possible. Yeah, okay. and in this case, if there is a failure, it doesn't make sense to invest yeah, into, into such project. That means there is really need for transferability of this, of this project. Yeah? Uh, there should be like a demonstration of the proof of concept. Mm -hmm. uh, because uh, the idea is very good in the beginning it could theoretically it could work uh, but you need to have something tangible in the hand uh, to show it to the potential investors yeah because the investors they have interest for such project and they are prepared to invest in the case that this is really a brilliant idea new idea uh, this is innovation innovative uh, idea and it works and there is a high probability that uh, you can uh, make from this idea finally a product and go to the market stay with us we'll be right back you love listening to podcasts but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast maybe you want to build a brand grow your business or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step -step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step -step guide to starting your podcast today. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the proof of concept, at least in an animal trial, is key to success when it comes to talk to investors. Mm -hmm. uh, I would call it it's the minimum viable product. So when I listen to you, I mean, there are a lot of challenges to overcome uh, on the project level. Yeah. We even consider of founding a company. And you said about 90% of 70% oh, of these projects failed because the results are not transferable. Um, and or maybe the project is not innovative enough. What mm -hmm. what, what is the next step then? So let's assume we have uh, figured out that the project works, is transferable, and we are confident that we can show a proof of concept in Animal. Uh, what are the next steps in the value chain that you would recommend? Mm -hmm. uh, the the next step in in our case, if we have uh, let's say the project in our portfolio, mm -hmm. and we first in the first line we evaluate the project. Mm. Yeah, uh, if this is really, if it works, if there is a proof of concept, uh, we discuss it with the industry even, uh, if the project is meaningful. And then if we decide we want to support such a project, then either uh, we are looking for the license partner for this project or thanks our contacts uh, in, the, in the industry. We are looking for uh, partners in pharma industry or life science industry for potential co-development or even in the future uh, for co-investment. Yeah, and let's say the final stage of uh, such um, support of the project is finding the so-called exit partner. That means company 
which is willing to take this idea, uh, this project, and uh, make a product, final product, and marketize it. Ideally, let's stay a little bit earlier in the value chain. You mentioned that uh, once you have uh, found a project and you think it's fit uh, to be put into a company and also you find a team, uh, there are two approaches. So on one hand, you talk to investors. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, uh, you talk to industrial partners, uh, mm -hmm. also known as uh, the pharmaceutical industry. And this is a very interesting discussion I very often have with tech transfer offices, officers and offices. Um, I myself have a background in uh, running life science companies mm -hmm. who are in preclinical and clinical stage. Mm -hmm. And from my perspective and from my experience, what I saw over the last 14 years, I always got the impression which I did not do any statistics about it, so it's pure impression, that uh, the sweet spot of the pharmaceutical industry is uh, picking up companies that have data packages, when we look at the therapeutic yeah. side, uh, for clinical phase two. And mm -hmm. when I talk to uh, tech transfer officers who work very early, they very often say, yeah, we approach pharma right away. And uh, I don't really <laughs> see the match in my mind, so I say, mm -hmm. like, it says proof of concept in humans mm -hmm. and tech transfer officers who also see other models. In your opinion and with your experience, what models do exist on the market currently when we want to talk with pharma? Is it uh, just a late stage game that mm -hmm. they're on the exit side or are there more and more uh, models, collaboration models coming up for the mm -hmm. earlier stages mm -hmm. of development? Uh, I, I would say that uh, they are like uh, two uh, two points in the development of the project uh, when you talk to the pharma company or to the industry. Mm. It could be uh, in the phase, in the early age, uh, early stage of the development of the project, when you talk to the industry and ask them uh, for support with the evaluation of the project. It means uh, that uh, the discovery should be evaluated if it, is, it really makes sense for the for the industry and for the market, if the idea is uh, meaning uh, meaningful, uh, if it really makes sense to continue, let's say in the development of the of the project, mm -hmm. and then of course uh, pharma industry is very strong in uh, the phases like preclinical, clinical phase production, yeah. Uh, these are the core competencies of uh, the pharma industry. It means it makes sense after certain development of the product uh, project, if we are in the advanced stage, then to talk uh, to pharma industry once again and uh, ask them for the cooperation, uh, co-development, co-investment even, if it makes sense for the company and the company uh, maybe could accept this project uh, as a future. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, and I think these are important points that you are saying. So first, and I hear it very often, it makes sense to approach the pharma industry very early, but more with uh, the intention of market research. Yes. So to find mm -hmm. out whether a novel technology really addresses a problem that the pharma experts see on the market, or if we are just uh, somewhere uh, where we don't really find uh, a customer yeah. at the end of the day. And secondly, what I got from what you're saying, that we can also see the pharma industry as a potential uh, collaboration partner in a way that it can... Uh, 
provide services against a fee. So as a service yes. partner, production, preclinical mm -hmm. models. And I think the third part that we see in the pharma industry when we are later in development that you mentioned is that they can become an exit partner and uh, basically uh, sign a contract with the well-known billions. You yes, know, yeah, yeah. On the contract. Uh, the, the question that pops up in my mind when I just look at these three mm -hmm. models is, in your opinion, why is the pharma industry not picking up uh, projects early on if they can do everything themselves? Why do they more focus on the later stages mm -hmm. of the value chain and leave the earlier stages to someone else? Mm -hmm. uh, I would say somehow it's uh, linked uh, to costs and uh, to risks. Mm -hmm. yeah? uh, because uh, there are many Uh, research areas yeah, in the discovery of new medicine and so on. And uh, even if a pharma company, specific pharma company, focuses uh, on uh, few areas, uh, even with early stage projects, there is a high probability of failure. Yeah, uh, that, that means uh, pharma industry in this way lowers the failure risk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, leave it uh, with the academic area uh, and uh, research institutes. Uh, then the 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 because uh, to be maybe more concrete, it's much more effective for the pharma industry uh, to manage. 10 projects in advanced stage, then 100 in early stage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it could be really uh, very costly because of the management of these projects and, of course, because of the failure rate. Yeah. The, the second reason why I think it's really a good split between the research, academia, and pharma, this process, Uh, is uh, the let's say the the lack of surprising innovation in pharma. Yeah, uh, that means thinking out of the box, free thinking. Uh, this is exactly what is only in academia area possible, yeah, or mostly in academia uh, possible. Mm -hmm. uh, it means uh, these are for me the main two reasons. Yeah, the lowered the risk and the lack of high innovation potential yeah, in the pharma. Uh, I agree to that. And uh, I have a story in my mind. This adds to what you mentioned, uh, reducing complexity. Mm -hmm. uh, when I finished my university degree in Graz, it was in economy. I started working for a listed company and it was a multi-billion dollar business. So uh, on a university level and in the commercial school before, we learned to calculate with uh, a lot of zeros after the comma position. So the first reports I did in this multinational company, I calculated with a lot of uh, numbers after the comma. 
And mm. uh, my boss, she was one of the most successful women in merge acquisition in Austria these days, laughed and said, Christian, you can forget that. It's, uh, we are a multi-billion dollar business. You start thinking in millions. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You <laughs> made, make the right decisions. And I completely agree with it because when I, uh, what you said, complexity, when I look at the early stages of the development, I mean, uh, the, the, uh, the budget positions we need are a few thousand or a few hundred thousand euros. So when I look at Pfizer, for example, or Roche with their multi-billion dollar mm-hmm. budgets, this would be teeny weeny positions and uh, they would not really appear in any budget. So when I think of the poor scientists, the second thing is attention. Uh, when I think to the poor scientists that they do important work that nobody sees and they get zero attention, uh, I think they would not be very happy in a pharma- pharmaceutical company. Uh, but when I look at the funding space, for example, a fund who, who has 20 to 30 million euros to invest and mm-hmm. they have to allocate a budget uh, of three or 400,000 euros, they really focus their attention on the team and help them and support mm-hmm. them. Yeah, yeah, forward. yeah. I think this is a reason why, why, why Pharma stays out of the game. Um, but there still is uh, this, this uh, you said, valley, valley of death between science and <laughs> uh, science and uh, uh, and a successful exit. Uh, how do you handle spin-outs in, in Prague? What's your experience and what are the advantages mm-hmm. of spinning something out of the university mm-hmm. level? Uh, yeah, of course, for spin-off, mm-hmm. there is uh, the advantage for the organization and disadvantage uh, as well at the same time. Uh, because what what we can see currently uh, more and more uh, spin-offs are currently creating in Prague, yeah. And spin-off it means uh, like uh, curve out a part of organization uh, and create a new legal entity, separate organization, which has disadvantage for the scientists in that way. Uh, that uh, they simply lose in this way the support of the academia area and the financing from uh, from uh, the academia part. Uh, very often there is uh, the disadvantage as well in that way uh, that uh, these people are not experienced in business. Yeah, they don't have uh, so strong entrepreneurial thinking. And very often uh, they are afraid uh, to create spin-off. Yeah, in that way we try to support uh, these organizations uh, with our, let's say, business knowledge, uh, or we are trying to find a person from the business who could support uh, this team in order to create spin-off. Mm-hmm. The advantage uh, of uh, the spin-off uh, is that uh, there is simply the separate legal entity with the possibility to use the private money. Yeah, that means you can take the money from the investors, which was not so possible in the academia area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and of course uh, the investors they invest into separate legal entities, not into academia. Yeah, that means this is uh, on one side advantage, on the other side disadvantage for for spin-offs. Um, yeah, I, I just try to figure. 
I think I never saw an investor investing in academia. No. Uh, <laughs> except, except philanthropy. I just tried to find anything. And it's really true if you want to have money for development, you need to put the patents and the lead scientists into a new company. But I think you mentioned it a little bit, the, the key challenges uh, that it's not enough to be a scientist when, mm -hmm. when somebody wants to run a company. Yeah. We need additional skills. What are, in your opinion, the missing skills that we need to add to the science that we can really talk about running a company? Mm. Uh, I think uh, that uh, people, they, they are scientists and uh, they have a plan to create a spin-off yeah, in the future. Uh, they should really uh, think about uh, the markets, about business, about business plan, yeah? how to realize the final product from their discovery, from their uh, innovative idea. Yeah? That means uh, there definitely should be like business feeling. Yeah, uh, they can either learn it somehow, mm. or they can uh, um, ask a mentor uh, from outside, uh, from the maybe business area, to support them in this way. Yeah, that means the the feeling for for the business uh, should be there definitely, mm. and entrepreneur entrepreneur feeling. Uh, I don't know if you can learn it. Yeah, it should be somehow born in you. Uh, but uh, into certain certain grade, uh, you can uh, definitely get or learn these uh, these skills. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it, and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host Matt Heslin brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. I'm, I'm a huge fan of building teams. I think a company is not a one-man show. So when uh, I see scientists who say they want uh, everything to for themselves, uh, the first thing I ask them is, are you really sure that the company is the right thing? Uh, because I, I believe it's necessary to have two different skill sets, uh, different people who learned it because it makes a difference. Mm -hmm. um, what help do you provide with INI to find the right people in, in, in Europe when a scientist approaches you? Mm -hmm. uh, you? You mean in the sub supporting uh, mm -hmm. these project teams? Yeah, project yeah. Teams, uh, structuring the, the so mm -hmm. it's a very broad question. So structuring business plans, uh, finding mm -hmm. the right people. Uh, what what kind of let's let's call it services uh, <laughs> um, can a scientist expect when he, he starts talking with you in your role mm -hmm. as a director yeah. of strategic alliances at I and I? I think uh, I and I is uh, quite specific in this uh, in this way. Yeah, because uh, we cover 
really very complex services. Yeah, and it starts uh, with the people, of course. Yeah, because uh, our CEO, Jaromir Zahradka, uh, mm-hmm. is on one side, has a PhD in chemistry. Mm-hmm. On the other side, uh, he graduated uh, from the University of Economics and Business in Prague. That means he covers both business and science. Three other colleagues, they have PhD mm-hmm. yeah, in chemistry, biochemistry, immunology, with quite close link to the industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And uh, this is exactly uh, the expertise and service we can provide to these startups or project teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah? It means we are able uh, to support them in creating a business plan. Yeah? Uh, we are in the position to make connection to the industry. Yeah, and link uh, the project team with, uh, let's say, R&D in pharma company. Yeah, and uh, this is, let's say, uh, for the beginning. And then, of course, if there is a further development of the project, uh, we are in contact uh, with uh, different funds. We even are in the position uh, to invest yeah, because we have source of the money in IOCB in, in Prague. Uh, and this is the next uh, component of our support. Yeah? That, that means we are able to support uh, the business side, scientific side, and the investment side as well. Okay, that's great. Uh, may I ask what the business model then is? Are you more on the investment side and provide the services on top or are these two different, different parts of, your, uh, of the I&I business? So that you charge separately to say, for example, writing a business plan, is, is it a service that is connected to the incubation investment side uh, or is it something that people have to charge for? Mm, uh, no, normally, let's say if we invest into the company, then this is the part of our service. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Uh, there could be a different models. Yeah, uh, We could have, uh, let's say, a small equity in the company mm-hmm. Uh, like uh, a payment for our service, yeah. And uh, our approach is really very, very individual, mm-hmm. yeah. Because each product is very individual, That's true. with different teams, different people in the teams, with different skills, yeah. And I would say that again, that this is the advantage uh, of I and I uh, Prague that we have this flexibility. Mm-hmm. And I think we have enough experience from the business, from the science, to provide the service uh, to uh, to such teams. Of course, we have lawyer in the team as well, and we provide the. If we are talking about contracts with the companies, we can support uh, the teams with this um, expertise as well. So let's let's assume I know a scientist. So when I when I tell a scientist, okay, talk with I and I to give you the necessary support, it means. Scientists can approach you, you evaluate mm-hmm. the project and uh, find out whether you can do something for the scientist or if it's not in your area of expertise. Yeah. And then you start working with the scientists, but don't charge service fees or something. So th- your model is more either you invest as a fund, then mm-hmm. it's part of the investment, 
or if the scientists find other investors somewhere in the world and uh, I and I is not investing, so it's more against the small percentage of equity yeah, could that be. you get something. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. this, this it's is very, the formal. It's yeah. really a very, very individual uh, project by project. Yeah. How did the ecosystem, I mean, I and I is located in Prague. Uh, and it's doing a great job. And when I think about uh, the people I know in, in America, one thing they always point out is uh, that Europe is so complex. So let's try to reduce a little bit complexity and shine a little bit of light on the ecosystem in Prague. How did it evolve in life science? Mm -hmm. uh, maybe before I start to talk about INI, IOCB, IOCB Tech, about this triangle, let me talk a little bit about the history of the development. Mm -hmm. yeah? Because if I look back 20 years ago, let's say in the new millennium, there were discussions uh, in our country uh, how to develop the science in Czech Republic further. Yeah? And as a result of these discussions uh, in early 2000 uh, were established new innovation centers in the country. Yeah, by using uh, the European money. It means uh, Czech Republic entered uh, the EU 2004. It means around uh, this, uh, this time, innovation centers were established, like uh, Biocef near to Prague or LE beam lines. This is the laser research center uh, or regional research centers. Yeah? Uh, 10 years later, around 2010, yeah, and important uh, is to add uh, that uh, these uh, innovation centers were established uh, with the target to attract uh, the scientists in foreign countries to come to Czech mm. and to work here in this area. Yeah, and I would say that around 2010, there was already enough results in innovation, in research, and suddenly <coughs> there was clear that there is a lack of the engine uh, which could help to transfer these innovative ideas uh, to the industry. And I would say that in this time, uh, the tech transfer organizations uh, were established. Uh, one of the first was the IOCB Tech, who was established by uh, Professor Martin Fusek. Uh, who on one side is a scientist, but on the other side, he has a long history in the business. Yeah, and here you have both components, business, one side of the valley, and science, the other side of the valley. And, I think and also the knowledge in between. And I think also the expertise, uh, he also got expertise in the United States, if I remember it right. So uh, yes, yeah. you also have a lot of, uh, I think at IOCP and IOCP Tech, you also have a lot of people uh, who who worked in the United States. Yes. Also, yeah, because there is a close link uh, between, uh, between IOCB as a research institute uh, and US universities and, uh, for example, the uh, pharmaceutical uh, company Gilead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this was this was interesting. I uh, met the first time I met representatives of IOCP and IOCP Tech was back, I think, in 2017 in Japan. And so we were talking along, and uh, then they said yeah, we did something for Gilead. And I, I thought first it was 
an organization in the United States. So uh, I did a little bit of research after this first talk, and it was very interesting to find out. I mean, I knew Gilead. Gilead is a well-known name, especially mm -hmm. for people in the industry who also invest on the stock market. It must not be really scientists. Gilead is one of the, I think, uh, best pharma companies uh, that evolved since the early 90s. Mm -hmm. And what, what I learned then from 2017 on that basically the blockbuster pipeline of Gilead, to put it very bluntly, originated in Prague. Yes, yes. So how exactly. did that happen? <laughs> yeah, uh, because... I It, it happened uh, in 70s, 80s of last mm -hmm. century mm -hmm. uh, in the team of Professor Holly, mm -hmm. yeah, who discovered uh, new promising molecules uh, for uh, HIV treatment. Yeah? And in cooperation with Gilead, uh, mm -hmm. then this idea, this discovery uh, was put into the final product which was sold then by Gilead. And uh, because uh, this business uh, was and has been very mm -hmm. successful, uh, IOCB uh, gets uh, very nice realities uh, till today. Uh, it's uh, more than 100 million dollars annually. And this is really very nice uh, financing of the research institute, mm -hmm. but consequently financing of IOCB Tech and INI as well. Mm -hmm. yeah? uh, because uh, the IOCB Tech, it was established 2010 as a service organization for IOCB, financed from these realities by IOCB. And the role of IOCB Tech uh, was, uh, let's say, the tech transfer of discoveries from IOCB to the industry. Mm -hmm. yeah? And uh, it's based uh, mainly on so, uh, selling the licenses. Mm -hmm. That's that a great point. Let's stay a little bit on, what, mm -hmm. on the tech transfer level so that we uh, shine a little bit more light on that and what you're doing for the scientists. Um, when I work as a business angel or as an executive, I very often talk also with scientists from all over Europe. It's quite funny. Yeah? So recently I was talking with someone from the United Kingdom and uh, this person asked me, where can I find support? So I pointed out, look, we have uh, the ISCT summer school in Tyrol. You can go to Austria. We have INIT and AWS and ISD Cube. Uh, on the on the west mm -hmm. side of Austria, we have INI in Prague, and then this person said, "Yeah, but what should I do there? I mean, when I move to Austria, when I move to Prague, <laughs> I have to live there forever and ever, and uh, then there is no pharmaceutical industry, and and how should I market my product, anyways? So, how do you see that in Europe? Is it really yeah. necessary to 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 move to Prague and to stick to Prague for the next 40 years of the scientist's life with no chance of?" spinning out the idea to an American company? Uh, definitely not. Definitely not. Because I, I think that uh, science, discoveries, innovations are international. Mm -hmm. uh, they are not purely Czech or Austrian or German. It means uh, that, of course, we support uh, projects. The majority of the projects we support are from Czech Republic. Uh, but uh, our Uh, responsibility for the discoveries, for innovation, for supporting this project 
uh, is in uh, mainly Central Europe. Yeah, of course, we have uh, projects uh, outside the scope in Israel, for example, as well. It means uh, that we are really not limited directly to uh, to the location, Czech Republic, but we support with our investment companies uh, in other countries as well. Mm -hmm. uh, currently, there is, because we are in contact uh, with uh, for example, life-size incubator in Dresden, in Germany. Mm -hmm. We are in contact with IST Cube in Vienna, with AWS in Vienna, yeah, with Toucher, which is a technical agency uh, for supporting uh, the innovations in Czech Republic, uh, very similar to AWS uh, in, in Vienna. Uh, we are in contact with these agencies, organizations, and of course, it's possible if you have uh, one project, uh, for example, in Slovakia, you can move, make a subsidiary or move your project to Austria and you can get additional financing from the Austrian government. Okay. Yeah, that means it's uh, really very international. You are not bound to stay forever in one location. Definitely not. <laughs> yeah, I can I can absolutely agree to that. I think it's necessary to start somewhere where the I mean, where two things happen. Either it's the the ecosystem is very compelling. So, for example, when I think of Prague, I always have IOCP in mind. With mm -hmm. in my opinion, uh, first in class chemistry. Yes, I think, absolutely. IOC, I think we have seven hundred chemists working at the IOCP mm -hmm. or something around that. It's a it's a huge team. Um, the second thing is just where you like living. But when you look at the reality, then later on, I always tell scientists you need to prepare to move anyways, because mm -hmm. uh, when the scientist really has a great project that has potential to become a product that serves an unmet need on the market, uh, we can probably uh, find another 10, 20 to 30 million euros of funding in Europe. Yes. Yeah. But uh, the later stages of development, um, usually funding sources are very scarce in Europe and there are more sources in the United States. How do you see the, the funding uh, value chain in our industry? Mm -hmm. uh, the, the funding is on the one side mm -hmm. coming uh, from, let's say, the governments. Yeah, because in, in Austria, you have uh, AWS. Uh, in Czech Republic, we have Toucher. Um, in Germany, uh, there is a, a, a HTGF uh, fund mm -hmm. where the projects in the country could be financed. Yeah? On the other side, you have private investors like INI. Because thanks to uh, the realities, uh, what IOCB gets uh, from Gilead, uh, we have the possibility to invest into one project, let's say 200 up to half a million uh, euros in one run. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And of course, we are looking for other partners, other co-investors yeah? into, into a promising, promising project. Yeah? It means that uh, normally uh, you have the support. If you are in Czech Republic, you have support from Toucher, like governmental money, you can get that. If you are in Austria with a project, you can get governmental money from AWS in Germany, other fund. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And uh, then additionally, uh, you can have uh, the private money 
and we are um, in the position to talk to other investors and attract uh, the project to them. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, there is another another possibility where we are currently thinking about and working on that uh, to increase our ticket size yeah, for the investment uh, up to 2 million, let's say, euros per run. Uh, in the case that uh, we are successful in the discussion in the European investment fund. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is, let's say, the this next level. Great. This is the next level uh, of uh, the approach of INI, how to increase the investment possibilities into promising projects. Yeah, because we see it. Yeah, mm -hmm. after three years uh, on the market, we see how big the potential is. Yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, really currently the ticket, let's say 200,000 euros, uh, is a little bit small part of the potential we see in the projects. Yeah, mm -hmm. because in the past three years, we were able to evaluate around 100 projects. Mm. Yeah? And in the beginning, uh, we were looking for the projects on the market, but currently the project teams, project holders are contacting us, contact, contacting us yeah? and asking for support. And we have increasing, really increasing number of good projects, promising mm. projects. And this is like hand in hand with our intention really to increase uh, the possibility to invest into into the science, uh, into the new projects. It's good news to hear how the ecosystem in Europe evolves and develops. Mm -hmm. I started in life science uh, 15 years ago and had the great chance to start directly in this with a spin-out from Novartis, which mm -hmm. was funded directly with uh, Series A funding of 40 million euros. And this was very unique. And I think it's still very unique uh, 15 years later. Um, when I started with the collapse of the stock market, I started working more and more with early stage programs, with scientists, with spin-outs. And the reality in 2008-9 was that uh, there were not many funds around and people mm. around who were prepared to invest in the inception of the company. So the public funding was always great. Uh, mm. But the gap was very huge between the public funding side, the spin-out side, mm -hmm. and um, the investment side. Because VC funds usually that I met start investing when the round size is a minimum of three to five million euros. Mm -hmm. So especially in the early stages, we don't need as much money. There's still high risk. So we needed a few hundred thousands to do some trials to the risk approach. Yes. And this is yeah. not the sweet spot of the VCs. And the problem always was... Um, Business angels can do only so much, so few projects, and we had really these this professional organizations missing. And what I hear from you, I, this is absolutely the sweet spot of INI. So mm -hmm. you'd like also to help scientists before they, in the pre-seed stage and in the seed yes. stage. Yeah. Did they get it right? Yes. Yeah, we are really very much interested in the early stage of the project. Yeah, that means that we have really uh, the, the, that we get the very beginning of the project. We support yeah. the scientists, of course, 
and then we can somehow accompany them uh, in the further development of the project. Yeah, and uh, it could take, let's say, five years. Yeah, till let's say the exit uh, of the project to an uh, industry to a pharmaceutical company, for example. Yeah, that means uh, we really are in the position with uh, with our expertise, with our complexity. Uh, to focus on this broad spectrum of the development uh, of uh, the project. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Coaching Conversation 2024. This podcast is 100% dedicated to leadership and leadership within the workplace coaching area. We work with companies throughout the world teaching leaders how to coach their employees. This podcast is dedicated to teaching specific strategies, frameworks, coaching models, and now artificial intelligent strategies to help leaders drive greater teamwork, collaboration, cooperation, greater attitudes, better motivation, coaching career development, just to name a few. I hope you'll check out our podcast. What do you prefer? I mean, you said the exit. Uh, I think there are always two scenarios, and it's uh, something that interests me. Um, I think I saw two models. So there is this one trick pony. It's, it's one company, one project, and we find an exit. And then I have the second model, uh, which is a company that starts building a pipeline, and which later on is not exited in a traditional way that it's uh, sold to the pharma industry. Uh, it rather finds licensing partners for single projects mm -hmm. and start building a pipeline. Uh, when, what is your recommendation? Uh, what's the better way? When is the one-trick pony model suitable? And uh, when is the, the company formation model more suitable? Well, what's your personal opinion on that? Um, in, uh, in our pipeline with, uh, with the projects we, we currently have, uh, so far, we have, uh, let's say, equities in seven, seven companies. Yeah, mm -hmm. they are in, let's say, in the early stage, not early stage of the development, but of early stage of the company development. Uh, and they are so far independent. Yeah? Mm -hmm. But some of them were even contacted, but by pharma company that later they are interested to be like an exit partner mm -hmm. yeah this is currently our experience uh, with uh, with the with the projects yeah uh, how uh, the spin off or the separate legal entity uh, could be uh, successful in the in the future yeah this is the, the current experience we have Okay, great. Let's let's talk a little bit uh, about tech transfer and young scientists. I had uh, last week an interesting talk with scientists from Oxford. Uh, mm -hmm. They are PhD students, and it reminded me of my days in the 90s when I was on the university. Um, the basic training was finish your university degree, at least a master, mm -hmm. find a job, gain some experience in an industry you like. And when you hit your 50s or 60s, then you can found a company to make some money for your retirement. You know the industry, you solve the problem. And 
in this talk with this young scientist from Oxford, I got the feeling that uh, they have a different mindset. Uh, mm. Like we had, like I had in, back in the 90s, they want to found companies right away with their PhD thesis. Yeah. Uh, what's your advice and recommendation to such young scientists, what they should do? Mm. Yeah, first of all, really, congratulations. Yeah, because if you are scientists and at the same time, uh, you have uh, like a feeling for the business, and uh, you want to create your own company, maybe spin-off or create based on your thesis uh, company. Uh, this is really something uh, really welcomed, yeah? because more and more spin-offs will be created in the, in the future. Uh, but if you are as a scientist in the very beginning, I, maybe I would come back uh, to, to the quality of the project. Yeah, in which case the project could be successful. Simply, you should be sure that your idea is really very innovative. Mm -hmm. yeah, this is the, the first one. Uh, you should be sure that uh, you, need, you, you find a market for your product. Yeah? If from this idea you are able to, to, to produce or to prepare a product, you need to check the transferability. Yeah, if uh, this is linked only to your laboratory or you could be transferred uh, to other laboratory, that means you can sell, for example, license. Yeah, um, prepare the proof of concept. And of course, uh, make a, a market evaluation, potential of the market, prepare a business plan. Uh, that means uh, your strategy, how the company should be developed within the next five years, what is your vision, uh, what is your target for the company. Yeah, this, this would be uh, like uh, key points uh, the scientist should be aware before starting uh, a company. Yeah, from my perspective, from my experience. That's great. I think I can absolutely agree to that. Uh, that these are the first points. And the next point then could be to directly approach you in Prague with I and I, I guess. This would absolutely, be absolutely. Yeah, because we are we are really happy uh, to support science, to support scientists and mm -hmm. new projects, because in some some aspects we feel it like our responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah, somehow giving back uh, to the society as well. Yeah, with support uh, the science. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, the scientists uh, with the promising projects, uh, they of course uh, could uh, contact us in Prague. Mm -hmm. I, I think you have the contact and links. Uh, I will provide the links in the description to the to the, <laughs> yeah. to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, and really we, we would be happy. Yeah, to to talk to uh, new people. Uh, with mm -hmm. interest of creating a company and uh, we can uh, talk to them and support them if really the uh, idea is uh, innovative and we see um, uh, like uh, sense for our focused area it means drug discovery diagnostics medical devices yeah this mm -hmm. is our focus you're also working in medical devices Yes, not, yes, okay. but but uh, I, I would say that the majority is uh, like drug discovery and diagnostics. Okay, I have one question: um, patents. So when it comes to science, very often uh, 
there is the situation that uh, once the idea is out on the market, um, it, it's difficult to patent uh, something. Um, how important to you is uh, having uh, an idea patented before starting talking mm. with I and I? Yeah, this is this is always one of the points we evaluate. Yeah, mm. if there is a new project, uh, we are always looking for patents. Yeah, mm. if the idea is protected or not, and of course uh, this is a advantage, big advantage, if there is already a patent. Uh, on that uh, innovation, on that uh, discovery. Mm -hmm. So to sum it up, uh, at the end of the talk, I would say when a scientist has an idea, uh, the first thing to evaluate is whether the scientist wants to stay on the university level or wants to become yes. an entrepreneur. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so if it really feels the entrepreneurial spirit, because it's a different world, it's a different world than a Absolutely. The second thing necessary is uh, to prove novelty, uh, to have also the idea patented, which is, uh, I think, mandatory. It's not something mm -hmm. that's it's really mm -hmm. necessary. And then would be the right time to start picking up the phone and starting calling you and uh, the team at I&I &I, uh, to see if you can do something together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We are open for all new projects and really very happy uh, to support new scientists and innovative uh, ideas. Karel, I know that you have also other meetings uh, after our session. Thank you very much for your time and for your interesting and amazing insights and all the best to you and the I&I team. Thank you very much, Christian, and uh, see you next time. See you next time. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Please, please share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed. Have a great day. <laughs>